And I'm Lyle Southwell, and, and this is Walters. Lawson Walters. Walters <laughs> here with our Encounter with God section. But before we come to Encounter with God, we have a clue for our quiz. Yeah, here we go. So we're, we're continuing on with our quiz. No one's snapped it up yet. Let's get into uh, clue number four, I believe this is, which is this is what creature in my quiz. Mm-hmm. The second time Noah sent it from the ark, this creature returned with an olive leaf. Okay, if you know the answer, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or text us on 0491-064-669. How was your weekend, Lawson? Oh, I had a, had a fantastic weekend. What are you thankful for this morning? Uh, I'm super thankful uh, that uh, the train is really cheap to Sydney on a Sunday because okay. I went down to Sydney on Sunday and uh-huh. it's like $2.80 for the whole day. <laughs> so, so, so this is what you're thankful for. Yeah, I'm. Ex- you, you sure this is? What yeah, you're I'm 100 percent thankful for the train, and I'm thankful for good company to go with me on those trains. <laughs> Let's continue into our Bible study. Okay, let me tell you what I'm thankful for. I had a super romantic weekend. Oh yeah, nice, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> um, we went kind of the opposite direction to you. Oh, you went up north. So we went north. Yes, um, we went to a couples retreat. So, oh, nice. Just- just the best ever. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go to Acts chapter 2, and we will get stuck into our 20 million movement Bible study, so join us every day to study the same passage of the Bible as 20 million people around the world are studying on this day. Uh, Acts chapter 2, we are talking about a new kind of community today, and of course that is the Acts community. And it was a fairly unique community that existed at that particular time mm. for that particular period. Let's learn what we can learn about it. Acts chapter 2. And uh, Lawson, can you start for us in verse 42, please? Yes. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Okay. Your translation is an NLT. Yes. Which is somewhat interpretive. Uh Uh-huh. And my translation is a KJV, Mm -hmm. which as far as... You have two different kinds of translations. You have translations that are more interpretive or more word-for-word. And the KJV is a more word-for-word translation, Mm -hmm. which leaves the interpretation up to you rather than telling you what the interpretation is. And that's kind of like why I like the KJV. So let me read this one from the KJV because it is slightly different. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers. What's the difference between those two verses? Uh, Well, mine, instead of breaking bread, it's a sharing in meal, including the Lord's Supper. Including the Lord's Supper. Mine does not have that. Mm -hmm. And the original manuscript does not have that. The translators Mm -hmm. of the NLT have gone, you know what this sounds like? They were sharing the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. So we will put that into this this particular verse. Uh, I don't believe that that is necessarily the case. And What's that? Well, the Bible doesn't actually say that. There is no mention of the Lord's Supper anywhere in the original manuscript right here. All there is mention of is the breaking of bread. And a lot of people assume that the breaking of bread was the Lord's Supper. That's not the case. Whenever Jesus sat down to eat, the Bible says that he broke bread. Mm -hmm. Uh, When he was resurrected from the dead and he was with Cleopas and his friend and they went to Cleopas' house in Emmaus, they sat down to have their evening meal. The Bible says that Jesus broke bread. He was not celebrating the Lord's Supper. Mm. 
That was not what was happening. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he took bread out of a basket, the Bible says, and he broke bread. There are many, many instances throughout the Bible where the Bible talks about breaking bread. And breaking bread is just a way of saying having a meal. It doesn't actually mean the Lord's Supper, as many assume it to be. And it's good here, we see in the book of Acts, which was written by Luke, as well as the Road to Emmaus experience, also written by Luke, that they use the same phrase, breaking of bread, and we see one in the context of they weren't just doing the Lord's Supper, um, they were just eating together, they weren't, yeah, partaking in that, and we see the exact same thing here, so that would lead us to believe that, hey, the breaking of bread is just eating food together. Now, why would I make a point about this? The reason I make a point about this is because there are some churches who demand that you have the Lord's Supper every day. Yeah, yeah. And they base it on this passage right here. They like well, the early church model. The model of uh, of the early church was that they would have the Lord's Supper every single day. So this is what you have to do. And if you don't do this, then you are not a true Christian. Um, I don't believe that to be the case. Um, I believe that they were having a meal here and that the Bible says, Jesus said in relationship to how often we have the Lord's Supper, Jesus simply said, as often as you do it. Mm. He did not tell us uh, whether it should be every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year, or every decade. Mm. He just said, as often as you do it. Now, why do I believe it's important not to do it every day? Well, here's my personal opinion. Oh, here we go. So, uh, uh, first opinion's coming up um, <laughs> from Lyle. My personal opinion is that if you do something that is very, very special, such as remembering the death of Christ through the communion service, too often it loses its meaning and it loses its specialness. Mm. Things that we do every single day become rote and a habit and they lose their sense of meaning. And so... I kind of find it important for me not to have the Lord's Supper every day. Uh, generally, my church, we have it about four times a year. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, 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 kind of, I kind of lean towards not every day. Mm-hmm. And four times a year is nice. I have a friend of mine who just does it once a year. Mm-hmm. And he had a rather um, painful experience associated that, with that. He was um, sharing the Lord's Supper and he... And uh, he shared the Lord's Supper and foot washing and whatnot uh, with a friend. Um, and the next day, that friend was killed in a motor vehicle accident, mm. run over in the street in uh, Hobart, because I grew up in Tassie. And he he just, it was one of those moments where he was like, you know, the, the day before we were just doing it. It was just, it would it become habit and we just did, you know, and it had lost any significance or specialness. And so he decided to do it once a year. Wow. And you know, it sort of it was a pretty heavy story, but that's what um, that's what he decided to do. Anyway, the important thing here is not so much whether or not they were doing the Lord's Supper every day, because if they were, praise God, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Amen. Uh, the important thing is that they were eating together, and what you have here in verse forty-two is the Acts model of evangelism. It has three elements, and if you want, if you're part of a church community, and you want your church community to ex- to succeed, then follow the Acts model of evangelism. What are the three elements of the Acts model of evangelism, Lawson? So we see the first element is teaching. Okay, doctrine. Mine mm. says. And so many times people come to me like, oh, we should never teach doctrine. 
<laughs> uh, well, if you're never going to preach doctrine, you're never going to open your mouth. You're never going to doctrine is simply teaching. It's you're never going to believe anything. No one's going to know anything. It's kind of pointless. <laughs> yeah. You can't talk about Jesus Christ Oof. without speaking about the doctrine about doctrine because the moment you speak about Jesus Christ, you're speaking about the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so, if you want to reduce doctrine, where do you stop? If you're like, oh, doctrine divides, let's not have doctrine. So you start cutting out doctrine, this doctrine, that doctrine, the other doctrine. Uh, where are you actually going to stop until you reach a point where it's no longer going to divide? Yeah. Jesus himself is the most divisive individual who has ever lived on the planet. Mm. Jesus divided time in half, you know, A, yeah. D, B, C. There you go. Um, you know, uh, apart from the fact that, you know, Jesus says, I've not come to bring peace but a sword and to set, you know, um, parents against their their, their kids and kids against their parents, and you often find division coming in when people give their lives to Jesus Christ because for whatever strange reason, people just oppose that kind of thing. But doctrine also brings unity at the same time. Like it, it unites oh, us in belief. Oh, no question. And it's no question. like it's awesome when we can all get on the same page because we're all taking the time to study the Bible and to teach each other and to uh, you know ask God for new light and then he blesses us with it. Like, it Absolutely. unites us as a people. Okay, so the very first part of the X model of evangelism is doctrine. doctrine. All right. There you go. Let's not avoid doctrine. Let's embrace doctrine and be blessed by it because it's full of a blessing. Mm. What is the second part of the model of church evangelism? Fellowship and sharing in meals or breaking of bread. Yes. So the second part of the X model of church evangelism is food. Yeah. I just put it that way. Food. It's food. It's all there is to it. It is just food because that is where and how we draw close to each other as mm. human beings. It's, just a, totally. it's a natural human reaction when we eat. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so I would say this, you know, they say a family that prays together stays together, a family that eats together uh, stays together. And for a church to stay together, they need to both pray together and eat together and worship together. Mm. Um, It is my very firm conviction that based on this passage that a church should eat together at least once a week. Yeah. And if you are not eating together at least once a week, then your church is not going to have an environment that is conducive to growth. Mm. It's that simple. It's it's just a it's a non negotiable. It's it's something for us working at Raymond Terrace Mission. We've taken to it. You know, twice a week or we, like we, five times a week. Well, we <laughs> how many we, times a week does your church eat together? Well, so we do breakfast and lunch on on Sabbath uh, in for our Sabbath service. We have a yes. breakfast that we do, um, and then we have our Sabbath service. You know, do our like our Bible study and everything, and then lunch after that. And it's where, you know, we've sort of restructured our church and, you know, we think about like our, our budget, you know, for, for things, or where should we be putting, you know, our resources into them? We've gone like food because it's it's massive. And it creates an awesome environment for me as a Bible worker because it's like when I can tell people, oh, yeah, come along, we're just like eating food and then, you know, doing church, like – it attracts people, and then from there you build yeah, that pancakes. You bribe, you bribe people into your church with pancakes. Pancakes, waffles, omelets. I'm, I'm a vegan. I don't eat it, but I, I, I lure people. <laughs> yeah. I, I lure people with it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just eat my banana. It's, it's good. So this is this is the uh, the Raymond Terrace model of evangelism. <laughs> 
<laughs> is uh, amazing breakfast. Actually, it's a it's a um, it's a really really good thing that you guys have going there. An amazing um, um, community, mm. and we've been so blessed through it. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it. It's one of the reasons why people love going to Raymond Terrace Church so much. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, uh, and of course we've got, uh, you and I have a seminar starting up there sometime oh, soon. When yes. is that starting? So, it's the starting on the 20th, 20th of September. September. Yeah. 20th of September, me and Lyle, every weekend, Fridays and Saturday nights are going to be preaching. And Tuesdays. And Tuesdays as well. Yes. O- okay, yeah, and Tuesdays <laughs> Lawson, too. Lawson just found out he's preaching on Tuesday <laughs> <You>. nights. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Tuesdays as well, we're going to be preaching it up, it's going to be awesome, you should come along. Yep. That'll be the Lyle and Lawson show live, um, but we're going to be focusing on Bible prophecy, end time events. Very Doctrine. similar to, we were just talking to Taj um, just before you came in, Lawson, oh, so yeah. a very similar series to what he's doing. Mm. So super excited about it. Can't wait for it. It's going to be amazing. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I'm keen. Let's go. All right. So we're going to be doing some doctrine there. Yeah, we are. Yes. We're going to be teaching some doctrine. Are we going to have food there? Yes, of course we are. Yes. So, so you you do you do food twice a day on Saturday, uh-huh. um, and then during the week you have small groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For so sure. How many small groups you got? Uh, well, we've got you know prayer meeting, uh, men and women's Bible study. Um, we have like a we have a surf group that we run. Uh, how many How many of these small groups have food? Or so the prayer group we eat f- we eat food after it. It's like an optional if you want to stay. Some of them are more like, for example, our surf group is like surf until twelve, and then we'll go get lunch together or something. The pro- so you eat together, let's say four times a week. Yeah. And during your and my seminar, that'll be four, five, six, seven times a week. Yeah. Yes. We're gonna, there's going to be food there. Okay. It's like get keen. Will prayer be involved? Because that's oh, the third element that 100%. we have right here for uh, the model of church growth. So do, we, do you guys pray? So we run a prayer meeting in three different locations um, on, on a Wednesday night at mm-hmm. 6 o'clock for an hour. It's called our, I know, I always get this wrong. I, I believe that it's our prayer, share, and care time. Um, there's, there's the, that goes in some order. But, um, yeah, and we get together for an hour and share some of the ways that God's been blessing us through during the week, some of the ways in which we've been struggling. And then we, you know, uh, the, the one that I run at the church, uh, yeah, in the church building, you know, we get all the, the requests down on like my phone on notes. And then I text it out to everyone at the prayer meeting and we split off into pairs and pray together about the different things that, that we want to see God do in the community and, and in our church and the different problems people are having. And honestly, like it is, you know, by far the, like it's my favorite day of the week. Like, yep. honestly, the prayer meeting is, like, church is amazing and eating food is amazing, but the prayer meeting, you know, coming together and being able to share, you know, what's going on in your life and then have people pray for you for that, like, and I've personally seen my prayers from those prayer meetings answered um, and, and the way that God's, like, you know, worked in that, you know, and I, I don't know if she's listening. I just I just got to mention this. Anyways, like, if she's listening, I, I love you, mom. Um, but, yeah, look. You know, since I started working at Raymond Terrace um, in August last year, and July last year, like my constant prayer has like been for my family and also mm-hmm. specifically my mum. Like, mm-hmm. Lord, please do a work in my mum. And it's awesome to see that, like, my mum is now a, a regular church attendee at, ah, at Raymond God, Terrace Lord. Mission. And, yes. And, um, and, you know, she helps us out. We were running a Friday night program for a little bit where there was food 
as well. Mm-hmm. We're running a Friday mm-hmm. night program um, where we were we were teaching the story of the Bible. We were teaching doctrine, and um, she would cook. She would make this amazing like sour cream French onion dip that's like inside like this huge piece of bread. And it was amazing. But yeah, like the way that God has worked in those prayers, like that I've prayed for so many things and like God has blessed them. But that's been like the highlight for me as I've just prayed and prayed and prayed and I prayed my mum into the church. And that's so, awesome. Super blessed. Huge, huge big uh, shout out to Lawson's <laughs> mum this morning. And you have an amazing mum. So. Yeah, I'm so blessed. But anyways, let's... let's uh, We've done one verse so far. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe we should do another. Mm. Try the next one. All right. Verse 43 of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Yeah, keep going. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Okay, let's think about this. What was the social level of the believers in Jesus? The social level. Yeah, in uh, society. Um, you know, the economic level. Mm. That they were. At, at the time, the majority of them would have been, you know, low socioeconomic, you know, uh, level people, you know, you, your peasants, your, your, uh, especially at this time where there wasn't a middle class, you just had the rulers and the ruled. These people were the ruled. They Okay, so let's, let's, let's think about the disciples here for a moment, uh, because you're absolutely correct. The majority of them at that particular time were um, peasants. Mm. So you had a number of Jesus' disciples who were fishermen. Mm. Quite a few of them were fishermen, and, and, and they were just peasants. Then you had Matthew, mm-hmm. who was a tax collector. So that's a different category again. He would not have been a peasant, and he would not have been poor. Mm. Okay, but when you come to the death of Jesus Christ, there is there are two new disciples that come out of the woodwork that sort of haven't appeared before uh-huh. publicly. One of them has sort of been there in the background before. The other one is the first time you hear his name in mm. the Bible. Can you think who they were? Uh, is it? Is one of them Joseph of Arimathea? Joseph of Arimathea and uh, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Yes, okay, so Joseph. Yes. Now, what level of society were they? Oh, they were high level. They were high so, level. They were the so highest level. They were in the Sanhedrin. Yeah. So Nicodemus, um, you know, he was a uh, a very well respected uh, lawyer, mm-hmm. and Joseph of Ar- Joseph of Arimathea was the most wealthy man in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to put this in a little bit of perspective for you. Um, We've talked about this before, how that there were two big economies in the Roman world, first century Roman world. The the biggest economy was the city of Rome, and that's kind of understandable. All roads led to Rome. That was the biggest economy that there was. The second biggest economy in the first century was the temple in Jerusalem. Mm. Now, Jewish people have always had a unique uh, business skill. Yeah. You Jewish people are just renowned around the world for being very astute businessmen. Mm. And so you can imagine, you know, nothing's changed. You can imagine that there were some incredibly wealthy people in Jerusalem at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've got the second biggest economy that there is anywhere in the world. There's going to be some individuals there who are going to be just ridiculously wealthy. And Joseph of Arimathea was the wealthiest man in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that when you know the new believers and the new church were starting up, they had all things in common. Mm-hmm. 
okay, so that is going to involve sacrifice for some of these guys, wouldn't it? Yeah. Hundred percent. So they're all they are all just pitching in with a common cause, and really, I think this goes back to the great commission that Jesus gave to them, where he says, um, "You know what? You start at Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost part of the earth." And they've suddenly gone the uttermost part of the earth, and they're thinking of China and India and Spain and England and Africa, and it's like, wow, the bigness of the job um, just inspired them. This is Anders Vincent with the other side.
Welcome back, guys. That was Anders Svensson and also Lawson and I choosing just the wrong time to share a joke together <laughs> with each other because now we're laughing as we come back on air. Ah, uh, God is good. Where are we Amen. <laughs> we are reading about the uh, new kind of community that they had in the early church. Mm. We need to have another clue for our quiz, though. Our, yes. our, our producer is yelling at us through the glass. <laughs> quiz! Quiz! You like forgot the quiz! banging on the glass, like, come on, guys. <laughs> All right, next clue. What creature am I? John the Baptist said that he saw the Spirit come down from heaven in the form of this creature and rest upon Jesus. Mm, what creature might that be? Mm. If you know the answer, then you also know what number to call. 1-800-FAITH-FM or 1-800-324-843 or text us mm. on 0491-064-669 and a copy of Desire of Ages is coming your way. Mm. Best book ever written on the life of Christ. Ooh, amen. Before before we before we got into our into our song break there. Yes. We we're talking about uh, how the 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 new the new church they gave everything that they had yes to, to be and you you mentioned the fact that because the great commission they were supposed to go to all the, the ends bigness, of the, earth. the bigness of the task drew them together mm. and they were inspired in that way yes but I think another way that was inspiring at the time I guess to to really put in everything you had into your belief is the fact that the call to Christianity was essentially a death sentence. Like mm. we see that very clearly, especially it in was. the Book of Acts. Like, yeah. like they're like, uh, but in around this time, they're like on the edge of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on the edge of that death because it's like you know they hadn't Stephen hadn't been stoned yet. But mm-hmm. we see the stories that come directly after this of uh, Peter and John. You know, they get pulled in before the Sanhedrin, and then they get beat up, and there's like a little bit of contention, you know, with Gamaliel and whatnot. Of oh, should we kill this guy? Shouldn't we kill these guys? And they decide, okay, we're not going to. And then that eventually boils over with the stoning mm. of Stephen. Mm. Um, but I, I think that the only way to like like the 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 message of the gospel was so inspiring. But the fact that you had to accept it in an environment where it was like, oh, to really believe in it, to really practice it, you were being bitterly persecuted. That meant that they they were just they just had to give everything. They they like they couldn't not give everything. And we see an amazing, uh, well, that's kind of kind of sketchy example of, of people who don't give everything in Ananias and Sapphira. Like later in in the book, where it's people who held back and they were ultimately. Um, no longer allowed to continue with the with the people of God, and I was thinking about that over the weekend a little bit. Like, oh man, that's kind of rough. But when you think of the, for example, the Day of Atonement sanctuary service, it's like those who didn't partake in it were kicked out of the camp, and it's ultimately like, you know, this is this is the problem that Israel had as well. Like in along in their history, is that any if if any part of their their group or their life or anything had any sin or anything that was dragging them back as ultimately you know the 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 hand was going to kill the rest of the body that's right there was the aching in the camp mm. and it's which is poisoning the whole thing so so yeah it was like if you wanted to be a part of this group it was like man you had to be committed in every way and i think especially if, if they're willing to give their lives how much more willing would they be to give their stuff mm-hmm why is it that we don't have this same kind of community amongst Christians today? Oof. 
Why is it that we don't get together as Christians and say, hey, you know what? We'll have everything in common. Uh, you mean in the way that, like... Isn't this a biblical model? Isn't it a biblical mandate that we have right here? Mm. Should we not just simply become, you know, communists? <laughs> communists? Did you say communists? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't we just become... Com- Man, that is... Well, I, I think, you know, God has given us all an obligation to give back to his church. He has. You know, no question. We have a responsibility for that. I think I, I I I can't I can't really talk about whether whether that's up to different contexts or cultures or anything like that. But I just know that the Bible does you know the Bible does give a mandate that hey like you know give your tithe to the storehouse. You know we have uh, a call to okay. But these guys the went next level. They had everything in common. Mm. Oh man. I don't know. How do we reconcile that? I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, it's an interesting. It's an interesting question. And what you find when you there is a, there is not a biblical command to do so, mm-hmm. and this only ever existed in one church. Mm-hmm. And it's important to notice that because occasionally I come across ch- Christians who say this is the way it has to be, and if the church is not like that, I won't be a part of it. Mm-hmm. They're usually the poorer, um, chip on the shoulder kind of people who are looking around at um, the world owing them everything, and so therefore the wealthy members of the church owe them a livelihood, and so they get a chip on their shoulder and they leave the church, and it never does good for anybody. Uh, But they forget to notice that this is the only church that ever had this kind of an environment, and it was only for a set period of time. And so there are times, there are occasions when God does call us to have all things in common. But this was not the norm Mm -hmm. in biblical times. 100%. Uh, None of the other churches, you know, Damascus, Antioch, um, or any of the Gentile churches ever had this kind of experience. Mm -hmm. And so we shouldn't just make it a blanket rule for everybody. Uh, and that's that's important to bear in mind as we you know look at this particular passage right here and, and, and see how it worked. Okay, we've got a little bit of time left, so let's go over to chapter 4, and we'll start reading in verse 32. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, all the believers were united in heart and one and, and were united in heart and mind, and they felt that they felt that what they owned was not their own so they shared everything they had yeah you think yours is a tongue twist you should try the kjv <laughs> and the multitude and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own <laughs> but they had all things in common i think we should bring ought back into the english language oh it's a good word that's a cool word it's an like my, one of my favorite words at the moment. I always think about my favorite words. One of my favorite words is is, is conducive because it's a good you know it's a good summary word. Uh-huh. But ought is an amazing summary ought. word. Let's do it. A u g h t. A u g h t. A u g h t. Ought. There you go. Yeah. Neither said or any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. Mm. It's kind of another word for any. Mm. So next time you go to say any, just say ought. Mm. See what people say. Okay, it continues on. Uh, Verse 33, Lawson. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph the one 
the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Okay, so we've got an environment here where people are making great sacrifice to start the Christian church. Do you think that Christianity will end with less sacrifice than that with which it began? Oof. No. (laughs) No, it won't. Simply no. Simply no. Which is important for us to consider in that we are reaching closer and closer towards the end of time. Mm. And as we see the signs being fulfilled that Jesus is coming back soon, really, what are we going to take with us when we go to heaven? You know, you can't take the things of this earth. Mm. So why not sell them up and put them to good use? Put them to some, you know, some kind of positive use where they will be an actual blessing to other people on this planet rather than just storing it up, storing it up, storing it up and hoarding it away. Why don't we look for opportunities to be a blessing to others? We're going to listen to uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford right now. He's going to talk to us about others and helping others out. The desire to serve others is indeed a quality we all admire. However, only when we enjoy serving others does our service take on a radiant goodness which gives a contagious glow. Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others, that I may is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5 designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. (laughs) Hey Mon. Mm -hmm. 
Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10am, service at 11am, and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
That was uh, Anna Weather Up with People Get Ready here on Faith FM, and we are into question of the day time. Somebody has snapped up the quiz, so congratulations to Kumar from South Australia who got the answer correct, and yep. it was Dove or Doves. Bam, and so you'll be getting a copy of Desire of Ages, and that's awesome because that's an amazing book. But we now have our question of the day. We do indeed. Are you ready? I am. So the question of the day is... And this is, this is a bit of a heavy one, but here we go. Is the 144,000 and the remnant of the book of Revelation the same group of people? Wow. <laughs> no, not like, not, not going for anything light on a Monday morning. All right. So, first of all, we need to find out. Um, the answer is yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. And no. And no. Oh, <laughs> that's both clear. Same, that's both clear. at the same time. Yeah, I'm glad, glad I made it clear for you guys this morning. Okay, so the, the, the key here is to find out uh, who the 144,000 are, and we find out who the 144,000 are by finding out where they are. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and what they are doing. So where are they? What are they doing? Revelation 14, I looked, and lower lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Where are they? Um, Mount Zion. They're on Mount Zion. Okay. Um, I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders, and no one could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. What are they doing? Uh, They're singing a song. And what are they standing in front of? Uh, The throne. The throne. So they are standing on Mount Zion in front of a throne and they are singing a song. Mm Mm-hmm. We clear so far? Yes. Good. Let's now go to Revelation chapter 4 and find out what is on Mount Zion in front of the throne. Mm-hmm. Revelation chapter 4 and verse uh, 6, the Bible says, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. Mm-hmm. So they're standing on Mount Zion in front of the throne. What are they standing on? The sea of glass. The sea of glass like crystal. And what are they doing? Singing. Singing a song. Now we go to Revelation chapter 15, where the same group is described. And the Bible says, I saw as it was a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of saints. Mm -hmm. So we here we have a group of people. Where are they standing? On Mount Zion, in front of the throne. On the sea of glass, what are they doing? They're singing a song. They're singing the song of Moses. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the same group as the 144,000, and the Bible tells you exactly who they are in this passage. It tells you that they are those who gained the victory over mm. the beast, his image, his number, and his mark. That's very, very clear. Now, Lawson, neither you nor I have gained the victory over the mark of the beast yet because that mark has not yet been enforced. And Mm -hmm. so we know that the 144,000 are the last group of people who will be left alive here on this earth at the return of Jesus Christ. At which point, everybody's going to ask the question, is this a literal number or is this a symbolic number? At which point I'm going to tell you, if you can tell me why that matters, I will tell you the answer (laughs) because there is no reason why it matters um, whatsoever at all. All. Mm-hmm. Um, it's completely irrelevant to the discussion. The issue with 144,000 is not the number, but their character mm-hmm. and their devotion to God. Mm-hmm. And so, the simple reality all we need to know is that we all have the 
have the possibility, have the have the ability to aspire to be amongst them. Mm-hmm. We don't know the future, but it's definitely something that I, a group that I plan to be amongst. Okay, so does the, how does that then relate to the remnant? Well, the remnant can be two different things. The remnant can be literally the last group of people alive on earth when Jesus comes back. That's the 144,000, so that's the same. Mm-hmm. However, the Bible also describes the remnant as being a last time, an end time movement and gives very specific identifying characteristics to that end time movement. So here you're dealing with a church. And we know that because of the end time events, any church as we know it right now is going not going to continue right through to the end. Mm. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be, you know, globalization and uh, and the mark of the beast being enforced. That kind of thing. You're not going to have a church structure. We're not going to be sitting here in the Faith FM studio when all those kinds of things are going down. So you have an end time movement, which is a remnant, and then you have a specific group of people that will come from all faiths who are the remnant. Oh, anyway. We have True North come to the river. Where would I be if Jesus hadn't seen my face as he hung there on the cross? His heart in despair, yet with such
was True North with Come to the River. You listen to Faith FM. We've come to the end of our show. We are about to give something away, and what could be more appropriate than God's holy word? Is it still worth dying for? We talked about the disciples. Mm. Uh, we talked about the followers of Jesus in the first century, how they had all things in common. They came from many different backgrounds and many different experiences. We talked about how that they put their life on the line for mm. Jesus Christ. Is it still worth dying for today? Mm. Well, that's what exactly what this. That's book is what about. this book is all about. Would you be prepared to die for the Word of God? Mm. I, this this is an awesome book. It's by by an author named uh, Ellen G. White, and it just goes over you know history as well as some thoughts and and, and some just awesome things about yeah why 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 is the Bible so important. Um, why people would be willing to die for it, especially as we as we look in in periods like the the Dark Ages, where it was specifically the Bible that was being persecuted, and anyone advocating for it um, was persecuted with it as well. And it's like, what would be their motivation to do that? You know, why would people Absolutely. put their lives on the line uh, for a book? It must be be pretty important. And and so that's what this book is about. If you want to learn, if you want to see why, oh man, why? What what's with these crazy Christians and their Bible, and why are they so intensely um, outspoken? And yeah, why do we read it every day? Why do we read it every day? What are we getting out of it, man? Get this book. Absolutely. Get this book. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you will get this book. First caller will get it completely for free. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669. This is The Breakfast Show that you've been listening to with Lyle and Lawson and Mon earlier on. Um, we are here every day between 7 and 9. We enjoy your company, and we look forward to enjoying your company once again as we continue with The Breakfast Show tomorrow. Positively different radio in the morning is our motto, and that's like what, what we like to bring you.
for all my 